This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. Great to be with you uh, following, on the Monday morning, following a Texans, maybe the biggest, certainly the biggest win in the D'Amico Ryans era, and one of the biggest wins in recent Texans history to be sure. A 30-27 to last second win in Cincinnati over the Cincinnati Bengals. The Texans wake up on Monday morning in the seventh seed in the AFC postseason picture i'm sean pendergast one half of pain and pendergast sports radio 610 alongside the hall of famer and our senior columnist at sports radio 610.com john mcclain and um john that game yesterday to me i know that the texans actually gifted the Bengals a few things in that game that may i can't believe i'm saying this the texans made that game way closer than it needed to be play for play down for down the texans went into cincinnati and they were the better football team in that game, and it ended up showing up on the scoreboard. But it, to me, it could have been a much more lopsided game without some Texan mistakes in that game. I think that says a lot about where this team is right now. First of all, I want to say right up at the top, I tweeted after the game, I'm an idiot. I'm going to say it again, I'm an idiot, because I said there's no way they're going to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati. And I said it weeks ago, and I said it again last week, and I'm happy to look like an idiot. Not the first time, certainly won't be the last. The fact that Stroud committed three turnovers, lost two fumbles, neither one led to points, but his interception, bad pass, he's allowed one every now and then, uh, set up a touchdown. And I thought when Joe Burrow brought them back with 10 points to tie it up, it was over. And then CJ Stroud gets the ball again and they pull it out. Thanks to Matt Amendola. A kicker, I uh, wanted to talk about pressure on the road, a uh, 38-yard field goal, and they won it. And, of course, on top of the Rockets, six-game winning streak. The the manager everybody wants for the Astros. 
uh, Joe Espada is going to be announced today. Happy times are happening in Houston. Yeah, you know, John, it, it looks, just to go off on that coaching tangent for a second, not really a tangent because D'Amico Ryans is obviously a huge reason why the Texans are where they are right now. But yeah, the Astros, by the time people are listening to this, the Astros will have probably already had their press conference on Monday morning to announce Joe Espada as the manager. And we live in a world now where um, I know it's early for both D'Amico Ryans and Ime Udoka, but I feel pretty confident in saying this. The Astros, the Astros, there's there's pressure on the Astros to get this managerial hire right because of these two hires that the Texans and the Rockets have made here with D'Amico and Ime Udoka. I, I, I feel very confident in saying that these are two even with the small sample size, great head coaching hires right now. And and Joe Spada, even if he bombs out, people can't say they didn't want him because it's universal. Everybody following the Astros wants him to be hired, bench coach since 2018, replaced Alex Cora. And uh, one of the things I like about him, he's bilingual. I think in today's baseball, that gives you an edge. But if he doesn't work out, we can't blast Jim Crane and – GM Dana Brown for doing it because I don't know anybody that doesn't want him hired. And I remember when Ime Adoka was hired around the league, everybody said it was a home run, even though he had to leave the uh, Celtics for a scandal. But he was brought up under Greg Popovich, and he is doing a fantastic job. And I noticed I wrote in my column on sportsradio610.com that that game yesterday should thrust uh, D'Amico Ryans into the coach of the year conversation and and C.J. Stroud into the not just rookie, offensive rookie of the year, which he should have locked down, but put him in the MVP discussion because they're five and four. They got Arizona coming in, Arizona won with Kyler Murray. But if they don't look ahead to Jacksonville and they're able to avoid what happened to them in Carolina and beat Arizona, that sets up a game against the Jaguars. The Jaguars are one game ahead of the Texans right now. They got a chance to win the division. They do. They do. And and if they beat the Jags in week 12, they'll have the head-to-head on them, so they'll have the lead and the tiebreaker and so forth. We'll get to the Jags in a you know in a week or so, and we'll certainly dig more into the Cardinals game later this week on, on Tuesday and Thursday, especially Thursday this week when we preview the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, like as, as far as – as far as yesterday goes, John, um, the Texans outgained the Bengals yesterday by a substantial amount, so they were just better offensively play to play. I thought the 27 points that the Bengals scored was very misleading because of how the last four minutes of that game went down. The defense for the Texans played phenomenal yesterday, I thought. For most of that, that game should have been a 27 to 17 game, probably. You know, the Texans, in, in retrospect, if, if, if CJ doesn't throw the interception, they convert that first down. That game probably ends 27 to 17 Texans. And I would look at that and say, man, that's a 17 point game against a really good offense that had, you know, was missing T. Higgins, but Tyler Boyd's been better than T. Higgins this year so far. So, and Jamar Chase was still out there. That, that was a game where the Texans gave up a touchdown on an early drive on a deep shot, you know, so it wasn't a methodical drive. Like, they hit a 40-yard bomb over the top. And then they held the Bengals in check for a massive chunk of that game. The Bengals are just punting the ball back to the Texans. And then they the, the Bengals hit an improv play for 60 yards over the top to Jamar Chase. That's going to happen, but it's one play. And they get two interceptions in the fourth quarter off of Joe Burrow. Like, the defense for 56 minutes <clears> – <throat> The defense on the scoreboard was incredible in that game on the road against Joe Burrow. 
then CJ throws the pick. That's not the defense's fault right there. You get stuck at first and goal at the five-yard line in a sudden change situation right there. I can't blame the defense for allowing a touchdown. Now, Denzel Perryman with a PI in the back of the end zone and all that. I mean, you know, that we can we can hash that out. But the defense was put in a bad spot. And then I thought holding them to a field goal to keep that game tied in regulation was a win. Granted, they needed a drop by Tyler Boyd. <laughs> I will, I will, <clears throat> I will fully admit that. But the Bengals had more than their fair share of breaks in this game, especially from that officiating crew. That officiating crew was some of the calls, calls and non-calls they had on the Texans. I'm not Texans. I'm not usually one to complain about that, John. But if there were a scoreboard for that aspect of the game, I thought the Texans took a severe brunt of the bad calls in that game. If I were grading the officials, I would have given them an F minus. As yeah. it is, I gave more A pluses than I've ever given on any report card. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And thing to remember about those three long pass plays, Texans have one of their top four safeties, Jalen Petrie. Yeah. The other three are out. And Petrie didn't register on the tackles. He's not even on the defensive stats. So uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, uh, he played a really good game back there. And uh, so it was a great win all around. They ran the ball better than they ever have. And and if this is a sign of what's to come, also overcoming more injuries. And, and let's give a special shout-out to Steven Nelson. He couldn't start because he was hurt. We didn't know right up until game time, and he wasn't on the inactive list. Stingley gets beat for the first touchdown, and then Nelson comes off the bench. It was a very, very courageous performance for him, and he had two injuries, and uh, that's going to kind of get lost in the shuffle, Sean, when we're handing out tributes to all the players who deserve it. But Steven Nelson earned some kind of medal. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 John, the, the the win was such that we barely talked about the injuries in the postgame show because the guys that were backing up the injured guys all played so well. You know, they you know, from and we may be thieving from stock up, stock down here in a second, but we can be repetitive. It doesn't matter. Um, but you know, Devin Singletary shouldering the load with no Damian Pierce out there, the receiving core coming through like they did with no Nico Collins out there. Um, Dalton Schultz having another big game where he's really the only experienced solution at tight end on the roster. And that's on the offensive side of the ball, you know, defensively, you mentioned it, Deandre Houston Carson stepping in for Jimmy Ward and getting a big interception, um, in the game, Shaquille Griffin, you know, is, is the guy who's in the rotation there at cornerback. He's the one that comes up with the big pick down the stretch in that game. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm just, I couldn't be more impressed with, 
uh, the depth on this team in that game yesterday. You know, you had a lot of guys, and 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 you know, and, and a lot of guys, John, in Nick Casario's free agency class as well. A lot of these one-year guys were a big state. Noah Brown, Devin Singletary, you know, Sheldon Rankin. I know I'm I'm thieving from the next 10 minutes on the podcast here. But it like the 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 role players on a team that is largely role players, there are very few stars on this team, other than seven and maybe a few other guys. Um, they came up huge yesterday, absolutely huge. Stars are in the being made, and I'm glad you brought up Casario because that's what I'm writing my column about on Monday, sportsradio610.com about Casario's role and all the home runs he's hit in free agency in the draft. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great topic. All right, let's get to it, John. So the Texans win 30-27. to They're five-and-a-half-point favorites against the Cardinals this weekend. That line feels a little light to me, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. And Kyler did some Kyler things in their win over the uh, over the Atlanta Falcons yesterday for the Cardinals. So we'll dig more into that game later this week. But, John, let's get into it. Four stock up, four stock down from yesterday's huge win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Devin Singletary who wouldn't be starting if it wasn't for Damian Pierce's injury. I think Texans should have a new starting running back. 30 carries, 150 yards, both career highs. They rushed for 188 yards. Offensive line did its best job of run blocking by far. And I don't know. The Bengals were bad. In, in They were 27th against the run, giving up 129 yards. But Carolina was 31. They only rushed for 110 against the Panthers. Don't you know they'd love to play the Panthers again? Yes, yes. And, and, and so I think Singletary had that six-yard touchdown run. By the way, you mentioned Dalton Schultz. They said in the Metroplex he can't block. He buried his men on that six-yard run. Hit him, knocked him down, just fell on top of him. It was a great block by Schultz. Noah Brown, he came in here because he's blocking and he's showing he can do more than block, but – it was a great play in which Singletary scored the touchdown. They had two rushing touchdowns, and that's rare because they usually don't run the ball well inside the 10, but they did. So Devin Singletary is my first. Yeah, that, that's a good one. 30 carries for 150 yards. He was our guest, John. He was our guest on the postgame show yesterday. I tried to get him. I said on those two third and shorts towards the end of the game, you know, did you want the ball in your hands at that point in the game? You know, you, you, they threw the ball both times. He didn't take the bait, John. He said, of course, every running back wants the ball in their hands, but Coach Slow calls the plays, and then we execute them. So he's a good guy, too. I, I was really hoping I could get something out of him there where he uh, he, he he acted selfish in the moment. He wasn't going to do it. Darn it. The Bills could use him because they can't run the ball, and he's been a starter for three and a half years, and they let him go to the Texans, another great signing by Nick Casario. Let's do another great signing by Nick Casario. <clears throat> I'm going to go to the defensive side on this one, John. Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankin's here on a one-year deal also. He looked like Aaron Donald yesterday, John, wreaking havoc from the interior. Three sacks from Sheldon Rankin's. This comes on the heels of Malik Collins with a two-sack game a couple of games ago against Carolina. Um, so they are getting a nice push from the interior of this defensive line um, lately. And Sheldon Rankin's, and it wasn't just in the passing game. 98 was all over the field. They could not stop gushing about him on the broadcast yesterday. Um, so as we head into this, you know, th this part of the schedule here where the Texans can the Texans can really establish themselves, John, here over these next three weeks with three very winnable games at home. A healthy Sheldon Rankins yesterday was gigantic in this win over the Cincinnati Bengals. He had five tackles. He knocked down Joe Burrow, team out four times. 
and look like a former number one pick. These I bet a lot of former teams that let these guys go are wondering what did we do? You know, what are they feeding them over there in Houston? Because Rankin's great. Coaching, John. That's what they're feeding them. They're feeding them coaching. This is a coaching staff that actually develops guys. Last week, next generation stats had him fourth. Uh, at beating his man among defensive tackles and our doll number one, of course. And I looked at Rankins, I go, wow, uh, I didn't know he was doing that. He's only got one sack. Now seeing is believing. Okay, my next one is going to be Noah Brown, another former Cowboy. Seven catches, 172 yards, six of them for at least 20 yards, four of them at least 25. It seemed like every time Stroud needed a clutch catch, Noah Brown was there to make it. And in his three games since he's come back from injured reserve, he has 16 catches, 382 yards, and I think that's about 24 yards a catch. Texans lead the NFL in explosive plays. I think they got like 29 of them, and uh, they have been tremendous. Throwing the ball down the field, he is a huge surprise. John, I'm going to give you – to me, I know he had seven catches, 172 yards, like you said. He's been amazing the last three games. Other than the 75-yard touchdown, which I thought, to me, was was one of the two or three biggest plays in the win over um, the Bucks last week because it kind of got the offense moving in the second half. The 10 or 12 yards that Noah Brown got on the last catch of the game to set up the game-winning field goal, that was the winning play. Like the, I know, the, I know. Technically, the winning play was the field goal itself. For Noah Brown to break that tackle of those two Bengals right there, and then go get ten or twelve extra yards to make that—that that, the difference with that was Matt Amendola went from having to kick what would have been a career-long field goal of fifty or more yards, his career long's forty-nine, to kicking what is a much more comfortable thirty-eight-yard field goal. I, I don't know. We don't know how the world turns out of it. Is a fifty-yard? Maybe he makes it from fifty. I'm going to tell you right now. If it's the same kick that he kicks to win the game and it's from 50, that doesn't go in. That thing snuck inside the right upright. So I don't know. I don't know that that field goal that Amendola kicked is good from 39. <laughs> you know, like it, it snuck inside that upright. Noah Brown breaking tackles and getting those last 12 yards after contact, I thought was that was a game-winning play for the Texans yesterday. One thing that we're getting from the Texans watching them is great clock management. And they were able to call a timeout on that last play and kick the field goal. But things they do, like they were running down the clock at one time in the first half because they didn't want Burr to get the ball back before they kicked the field goal. I think D'Amico and his staff are doing a tremendous job. It's been a long time. Yep, even no doubt. O'Brien, even those division titles with O'Brien, he struggled almost every week. Yep. Let's give Matt Am- Amendola his flowers, John. As long as we're talking about it, I'll go stock up on Matt Amendola coming in, Good. kicking three, three for three on field goals, three for three on extra points, and a game winner on the road in what to me is a season-transforming game for the Texans. You know, f- I, if they had lost that game, even if they'd lost that game the way it was set up to lose with CJ making that massive mistake towards the end of the game, I still would feel great about the trajectory of this football team overall, obviously. I would just write it off as young team, young quarterback makes mistake on the road against a team that, let's face it, a team in the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow, who that that's what they do. They're really, really good in clutch situations, but they didn't. And they got the ball back, and C.J. drove them down there. And Matt Amendola makes that kick with ice water in his veins. So Matt Amendola, 
And he had some kickoffs through the end zone too and whatnot. Like he, I'm not going to say it looked exactly like it would have with Kaimi there, but but it was a, certainly a suitable facsimile of what you need to win football games in the kicking game in the NFL. We didn't even mention Stroud in our stock. I thought of that too just now when I mentioned him driving them down. Yeah, we didn't mention shows you shows you how great a Sunday it was. And now we're taking his big performances for granted, but they had too many players around him who contributed to this yeah. one. And it's interesting of their five victories, they're five and four, one game behind the Jaguars. The only team they they beat with a losing record is Tampa Bay. Tampa mm-hmm. Bay just beat Tennessee. I think Tampa's now what, four and five? So they have had to, they've beaten some good teams, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, New Orleans is now five and five, and then Tampa, and then now Cincinnati. And it's weird. They if the playoffs started today, the Texans would be in it and the Bengals and the Bills would not. Yeah, we need the Broncos to take care of that business tonight against the Bills, John. We're Bronco fans tonight now. Yeah, you know I don't that. put a lot of stock in that one. They're playing better. Come on now, John. We're Bronco fans. Just for one for one night, we I'm have not to whore ourselves out under any situation. We have to whore ourselves out for uh, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. If you take out the losses to the Texans, John, if you remove the Texans' losses from the records of the five teams they've beaten, so how have they played in games not against the Texans? 26-15 and 15 is the wow. record of those five teams in games that don't involve the Houston Texans. So that's – that's something else. All right, John. I know you. You've got. You, you're on a tight schedule here, so let's let's rapid fire some stock downs. There's not a ton of stock down when you win a game like that, but let's 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 drop a few here. Who's your first? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Boy, that is a stretch, of course. And I'm going to say, I hate to do it because the safeties, uh, Jalen Petrie didn't register, missed a couple of plays, including one in the backfield. But the safeties did give up some long touchdown passes. So I guess the safeties overall. Petrie was on my list. He dropped an interception and he missed a, a tackle in the backfield on a blitz that would have been a, a real important play right there. And and both the long touchdowns, I'm I'm curious if Jalen was supposed to – on the first touchdown, I'm curious if Stingley was looking for help over the top and Jalen was definitely late getting over there if he was the help over the top. It was not Jalen Petrie's finest hour. He was, he was on my list too. Um, so, yeah, safety play, I think it's a good one. Uh, mine would be just a specific one. The play call on third and three on the last series before the game-winning field goal series, um, the, just an awful play call. And I don't know by if that Bobby was Slowick. Yeah, yeah, right, by Bobby Slowick. Yeah, and I don't know, you know if that was the play Slowick wanted or if CJ checked into it and saw something he liked and, and decided to throw it deep to Dell. Just 
I don't care what you see Terrible there. Throw. That is just a that that is just an ill-advised low percentage throw. Uh, it's one thing if it's third and three in the middle of the second quarter, John. You convert this third and three, the game's over. You end the game. You you who want those yards mean nothing when you're throwing it. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So that third and three call to me is a massive. I didn't have a problem with with the third and one or third and two where they put it in CJ's hands. He threw a pick. I hate that he threw a pick. But I don't, I don't have an issue with them, even as well as they were running the football. I don't have an issue with them looking for four yards out of C.J. Stroud, throwing the ball, or maybe even running the ball. He'd run for a touchdown earlier in the game. I don't have a problem with them putting it in C.J.'s hands on th- third and three there, obviously. I have a big problem with them throwing it deep into double coverage to Tank Dell along the sidelines. where they, It's really a triple coverage because you got the sideline there as the third defender. We'll never know, but I'm guessing that that wasn't the call that Bobby Slowick would make. It had something to do with Stroud thinking he could go deep. My next one is Stroud. He had three turnovers. Mm-hmm. One of them, a fumble in which his arm was going forward. I don't, still don't understand that. When Gene Steratore, the uh, former referee, was on, on the, they brought him on. He didn't understand it. The broadcasters didn't understand it, but it was called on the field. You don't see a football go flying forward for nine yards uh, in the air if it's a fumble. And when every time he showed the replay, I looked at it and I thought, man, oh man, I'm, I'm not, I'm talking about the officials here on my next stop down. I thought it was a terrible call. And uh, fortunately for the Texans, the defense did not allow points after that. And, uh, but I just, I don't, I can't understand New York upheld at what they were looking at. And I know they tried to explain it, but it was hogwash to me. Well, and and well, you only get you and I only each get two stock downs, John. So you had yours already. The safeties and C.J. Stroud. Luckily, I am no, picking Stroud up. Stroud was the officials, not Stroud. Oh, yours was the officials, not Stroud. Yeah. Well, you stole mine, John, because mine was going to be the officials too. Then I'll do Stroud. He shouldn't have thrown an interception in that spot, and he should have fumbled <laughs> two times. I thought, but as long as we're talking about the officials, I thought the most egregious call to me was the Robert Woods touchdown that got called back. One, because CBS doesn't have an angle where they – how do you not have a camera on the end line where you can see whether or not Robert Woods stepped out of bounds? You're right. right. And, and I think, too, though, let's pretend let's pretend for a second that his heel grazed the line, which is all it did. If it, if it hit the line, it just grazed the line. I think you got to have a little bit of sense in that moment if you're an official like – What's the spirit of the rule of guys stepping out of bounds? It's so guys won't run out of bounds and use the goalposts as some sort of impediment or run out of bounds along the sidelines to get a better angle gunning down there on punt returns and things like that. It's not that that the heel of a player grazes two quarter of an inches of a blade of grass in the back of the end zone. And then to have that be the reason that a touchdown that is 12 steps away from where the initial transgression took place, took place in the entire other corner of the end zone. I either think it's a horrible interpretation of the rule by that official to let that be a reason why a touchdown gets nullified at the left-hand end, like to toss your hat there because the guy's heel grazes the line. I also think it's a terrible rule. I like the college rule where if you step out of bounds, but you reestablish yourself, that you can touch the football again. In the NFL, the ball's got to be touched by somebody else, as we saw with Noah Brown a couple of weeks ago in, I believe, in the Carolina game, where he caught a ball, he was out of bounds, but somebody else t- – he reestablished himself, but somebody else had tipped it, so he was allowed to touch the football. I think it's a terrible – like Robert Woods grazes the end line, and all of a sudden he's a null set in that play is silly to me. That's so dumb. 
It is silly, but it's black and white. But it's a great pass and a great catch by Woods. Yeah. Too bad it didn't count. Yep. And the officials missed a few other things. They missed some headshots on C.J. Stroud Ooh. that I would be sending to the NFL. The defensive receiver. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, they missed some stuff, man. That was a bad officiating crew. All right, John, you got a, an appearance to get to here on Texans Radio here as we record on a Monday morning. And uh, what do you got going on? It sounds like you got a report card out there for the people. Report cards on sportsradio610.com. I've got a column on uh, the Texans victory, and then I'll have one later today on uh, uh, Nick Casario and his role in helping the Texans win five games for the first time since 2019. Look at that. John, are you going to mention the words executive of the year in your article about Nick Casario? Do those words you know, come up? I will mention that since my old lead's about uh, Stroud being – MVP candidate and D'Amico Coach of the Year candidate. You need, do you think Nick's in the running for Executive of the Year right now? He should be. Yeah, I think so, too. He had a really, really good, in retrospect, a great 2023 offseason. Stingley coming back healthy would help, I think. That's the only – Stingley and Kenyon Green are like the gigantic like black mark on Casario's rebuild resume right now. Other than that, they are way ahead of schedule, man. Like Things That's are really, true. really good right now. That's All right. True. Good stuff, John. And get all your stuff at sportsradio610.com. John, these are always fun, especially after a win. Thank you very much, Sean. All right, good stuff. Big thanks to our producer, James Jackson, for getting the podcast out to you. Click that subscribe button. We'll be back tomorrow. Mailbag tomorrow. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That mailbag is filling up every week. The more the Texans win, the more questions we get. But we can use some new blood. Send it in. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Com. For James Jackson and John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We're out of time. We will see all of you tomorrow as we roll on. Victories pile up for the Texans. They're 5-4 and four on the season. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.